Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. God, I know you give grace to the humble, so I ask you, God, to do a deep work in my heart and break me. Break me of my pride. Break me of my selfishness. Break me of anything that keeps me from knowing you. As hard as it is to ask God, do whatever it takes to break me. Amen. How many of you have enjoyed the so far? Amen. Praise God. So we are in a, a two-part uh, of this three-part series called uh, Dangerous Prayers. And I believe for many of you at these prayers that we're praying today and this, in this series will have a significant impact on your life. Last week we talked about search me God, search my heart, and know my anxious thoughts. And I know that I was blessed. How about you? Amen. Next week's message, I really believe, is probably going to be the most powerful message out of the three. We're going to ask God to send us. Here I am, God. Anywhere, anytime, I'm available to you. Send me. However, today is going to be the most difficult. If there is one prayer that is by far the most dangerous of all three, it is the prayer that we're going to talk about this morning. And I want to warn you up front, some of you will not like this prayer. Some of you may even refuse to pray this prayer. And I'll tell you up front, not a common prayer. It is not a feel-good prayer. This prayer is not consistent with the God will always make your life better. This prayer, though, it does have the potential to open up your heart to the work of God in such a way that it can forever change your life. And the prayer that I'm going to ask you to consider praying is the prayer, break me. Break me, God. Break me. So I'm going to open in Psalms 51, 51 verse 17. Psalm 51 verse 17, it says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repent, repentant heart, O God. So he desires a broken spirit. And he will not reject a, re a broken and repentant heart because that's what he desires. And if you'd pray with me, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, God, that you would give us a clear word. We need to hear from you, Jesus. Speak into our lives, Lord. I pray that you anoint your word and that you help us all to leave here differently than the way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was first thinking about this series, I was thinking to myself, how can a prayer be dangerous, right? And when I think of something that's dangerous, I think of driving a motorcycle, with no helmet or headlights on a two-lane highway through the mountains in a snowstorm at night. 
that's dangerous, right? Asking a woman her age, that's dangerous. <laughs> but praying, how is praying dangerous? Isn't praying what sweet grandmas do in the safety of their living rooms? You see, we serve a God who isn't safe, but he's good. When we pray, our prayers shouldn't be safe. They should be big and they should be dangerous, like our God. We tend to come to God with our dirty laundry or our laundry list of what he can do for us. But what if we came asking what we can do for him? That would be dangerous, amen? And when we pray, it should, be, it should push us beyond our comfort zones. It should push us beyond the me circle where everything revolves around me and my needs and my wants. Prayer has the potential to pull us out of these me circles because prayer is about his kingdom and his will being done. Amen. Most of us Christians don't have too hard of a time with the idea of a savior. We've sinned and we fall short. We need a God to come and give us full life here and an an eternal life in heaven. However, we tend to struggle with making Jesus our Lord or someone who has full rule over our life. You see, we tend to want the peace of salvation without the commitment of servitude. Yet to fully accept Jesus' life-saving, sacrificial gift, we have to fully give our lives back to him. We can't pick Savior and skip Lord. We're entirely lost without both. And so this morning, I want to ask you to consider praying a very dangerous prayer with me. Not all of you will, and you don't have to. This isn't like you have to pray this. But consider giving God permission to do a deep work in your life. God, break me. And so to study this, we're going to look at two different stories in the Bible, which is really cool because they're both side by side. They're in the very same chapter in the book of Mark. And the first story deals with a prostitute. Has anyone ever studied uh, this story out and thought what it would have been like for this woman? Because nobody in the first century wanted to be a prostitute. No one at that time thought, hey, hopefully by the time I turn 21, I'll be in the top 10% of prostitutes in the community. Nobody wanted to do this. In fact, if you were a prostitute, it's only because life dealt you cards that you never thought you'd, you'd have to play, except for this desperate plea because they were hated, they were despised, and they were full of shame. Who knows what would have led this woman to do this? The Bible doesn't really specify. Maybe she was a single mother and had no other way of paying the bills. Maybe she had been abused by men, and maybe... She knew nothing else. But whatever the case may be, she was hated by every woman and she was used by many men. She was full of shame. But one day, she met a man that treated her differently. Maybe for the first time from a male. She was shown honor. She was shown respect. He treated her with dignity and he loved her appropriately. And this so transformed this woman that she wanted to worship him in the most sacrificial way that she could even imagine. Her extravagant act of worship completely confused everyone else in this story. Mark chapter 14 verse 3 says, 
While Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman, and this is the sinful woman that we know from Luke's gospel, this simple woman comes in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Now first thing I want you to know, whose home was Jesus sent to? He was in the home of Simon the leper. Everyone else would run from lepers. Jesus would befriend them and he healed them. That's pretty cool. So you've got a rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute in this house along with some other disciples. And she comes walking in with a very expensive bottle of perfume. Now before I go on, I, I want to explain this perfume to you. This perfume was so valuable that we find out in verses 5 that it could have been sold for more than a year's worth of wages. Why was it so valuable? It's valuable because it's incredibly rare. It was really hard to come by. Ordinary women didn't, didn't even wear perfume because they could not even afford it. So who wore perfume? Basically, it was like the calling card. Okay, you invested your money into the perfume, so when you're walking by and some guy is like, oh, I see, you're sending me a message that you're available. This was a very, very expensive and a year's worth of wages. It was essentially the source of her income to draw business. It was like a fisherman's boat. He won't catch many fish if he doesn't have that boat. And so she's got this incredibly expensive perfume. And so the last part of verse is three. She says, she says this. She did what with the jar? She broke it. She broke the jar. She pour, and then she pours the perfume on Jesus' head. So she broke and then she poured. She broke and she poured. Now some people, as we read in this story, freaked out. Don't do that. Stop. You can imagine it in like slow motion, right? It's like, no, stop. That's so valuable. But some preachers will, will make fun of these people and, and say, these lack of faith people, what's wrong with them? Don't you have faith that God will, will make it better? But let's be honest here. If I would have been there, I would have been saying the same exact thing. Woman, don't do that. Stop. Give them a drop. Give them two drops. We'll sell the rest. We'll split it up. We'll feed the poor with it. And I'm telling you, this act of worship was more extravagant than you can imagine. Essentially, she was saying, I'm giving you my whole life. I'm giving you the most valuable possession that I own. And this re represents my past, and this represents my future. And in other words, I'm leaving my past left behind, and I'm giving my future source of income and my life savings away. Jesus, you have loved me so that I will break open the most valuable, pos the most valuable possession that I have, that I own. What represents her livelihood, I will break it and I will pour out all of it. Pour it out in one selfless act of worship. Broken and poured. Broken and poured. That's the first story. The second story is right after the first story and it's in the same book of the Bible. In this story, Jesus is having his last meal and he's gathered together with the disciples and he knows what's coming. He knows that he's going to give his life on the cross. 
And so this is how Mark tells the story. Same chapter, verses 22. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And then what did he do? And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. He said, it is poured out as a sacrifice for many. It's broken and it's poured broken and poured. My body is broken for you. My blood will be poured out. My jar is broken in an act of worship and I pour it all out because I'm giving you everything that I am. Everything that I have. Broken and poured. And so Luke reports on the same story. Luke was at the table. Mark was there. Luke was there. The rest of the disciples were there. And Luke wrote about it, and he told the story in almost the same way, but he added and picked up on something else that Mark didn't point out in his writing. This is what Luke said um, in Luke 22, 19. He said basically the same thing. Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, and then what did he do? He broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. And then what did he say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So my question is, what is this? Most of us would agree as the disciples of Jesus that we gather together and we take the Lord's Supper, we take bread and we take juice, and we do this in remembrance of him. We celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus by doing this. But perhaps... It could also mean as he was broken and as he was poured out, we should do that as well, just as the ritual. Not just the ritual, but live, for his, live how he lived. God calls us to live as he lived and to love as he loved. We're to die to ourselves daily so that we can live for his glory. Amen. And so when the gospel says to do this, what if perhaps Jesus was saying, don't just do an act to remember me. But may you also be broken and poured out in such a way, even as Paul said in Philippians, I'm poured out like a drink offering, giving everything that I have for God's glory. Broken and poured. Just to make you feel better, being broken is not only just one moment, but it's an ongoing breaking. And as God breaks you of your sinfulness and continues to teach you to depend on him. I never thought about it until studying for this sermon, but I'll say it. And I believe it, and I stand by it today, that life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. Amen? I want that to sink in for a moment. Life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. We talked about this in men's study a couple weeks ago, about how the most powerful men and women of God and the ones that are used the most have gone, often gone through the greatest breakings. Some of the greatest tests, some of the greatest trials. Like Pastor grew up, who grew up in a home with abuse. And others have gone through addictions and drugs and alcohol. They have gone through some of the greatest breakings of their life. And when I look at the people in the Bible, this also proves to be true. Peter, who said, Jesus... I'll never deny you, denied him three times. 
And on the third time, Jesus is looking directly at Peter as Peter is denying him. And Peter broke at that moment. He broke. But Peter also, after being forgiven by Jesus and after his resurrection, was chosen by God to be the guest speaker on the day of Pentecost. One of the greatest moments in the Bible and it is what has shaped how we have church here today. 3,000 people were born into the family of God on that day. Those whom God uses the greatest are often those whom God has broken the deepest. God never wastes a hurt. He never, ever wastes a hurt. In fact, I'm going to go as far to say that your most effective ministry will come out of your deepest hurts. Amen. So I'd like to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul is speaking and he says, Because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, now this scripture, I don't even understand Paul, but he says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. I delight, he says, in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am broken, then I am strong. Here in this scripture, we get a very rare glimpse of the true human nature, the true humanity of the Apostle Paul. Here we see the humanity of Paul and the reality of a Christian life. Now think about who this is. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the one who wrote from the, per, from the prison statements like this in Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the Apostle Paul that in prison writes about how he has learned to abound and to be content. This is the Apostle Paul who writing to Timothy, not knowing if he would be alive much longer, looking at death in the future, wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. This is the Paul who put a bundle of sticks in the fire and a snake jumped out and he bit him on the hand. And what does Paul do? He shakes it off and, and throws it back in the fire. This is the Apostle Paul that when I read about in Scripture is positive. He's fearless. He is confident and he's encouraging. But here, I see something very real about the Apostle because he writes about a personal struggle what he referred to in scripture as a thorn in his flesh. And now the seminary of Google has all kinds of theories on what this thorn in the flesh really was. And if you Google it like I did, you'll find all kinds of theories and ideas of what this thorn actually was. Theories that range from headaches and malaria. I even read an article that said he suffered from epilepsy or seizures. I don't know where they're coming up with some of these scriptures, but there are theories out there. And you know, this isn't even my notes, but, but 
you can find all kinds of things on the internet that will tell you what you want to hear. Amen? That's just a side note. You can have that one for free. But there are all kinds of theories. And Paul called it a thorn in his flesh. And so the majority of people think that Paul had this physical problem. He used the same Greek word here when he was writing to the, to the Galatian church. And in both cases, it seems to be that Paul had an eye disease. Maybe even bad enough to make him legally blind. And so in the letter to the Galatians, he said, If you would have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. And at the end of the letter, Paul actually took a work from his scribe and he added a personal note. He said, see what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. And so maybe it's blindness, whatever it is. Maybe, I wonder, just maybe, that there's a reason why it's not mentioned exactly what it is. Maybe because the wound and the pain and the struggle that Paul experiences is more than just a physical wound itself. It's about more than just what's wrong and what has happened with this disease that he had. Maybe it's about more than just a physical ailment itself. I think there was a spiritual hurt, a spiritual wound that was even more difficult because you see Paul knows this that God heals people this is the God that opens blind eyes and heals deaf ears Paul has even been used to pray with people and has seen them raised from the dead we've we've read about the man who fell out of the window and Paul prays for him and watches this man rise from the dead he, was even, he even saw unbelievers healed by the power of God. But Paul is struggling with the fact that even though others are being healed, Lord, why not me? He's not healing me. And you see, it's, it's this kind of disappointment that can be very difficult to deal with. And I think it bothered Paul, and it was a spiritual wound. It was a deep cutting wound it was a challenge to him and he said it was a messenger from satan that tormented him and and that tortured him and that there was this thing in his life and i wish that i could tell you this morning it would actually really preach really good right now if i could tell you that you know the way the story ends and later in one of his writings he talks about how the lord healed him of this infirmity but there's no such such scripture that exists I wish I could tell you and take you to that place where we read later on how the Lord miraculously delivered Paul from whatever it was that he was praying for, but there's no evidence of that in the word of God. And in fact, it seems from what we just read from the writings of Paul that we just read in 2 Corinthians that in fact Paul learned to live with this pain in his life, with this infirmity in his life with this wound in his life, concluding from the Lord that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. You see, Paul learned to live with some brokenness in his life. Amen? Everything was not perfect for him. It's hard to understand or accept, you know, because some, somehow as believers, this idea that we're better off in weakness, that defies our logic. Logic says that as Christians, we would be much more influential in society if we didn't have any problems at all. And if we could say, look, when you come to know the Lord and you live for him, look at how everything is perfect. You, you don't have any problems in the whole entire world. You know what? Sometimes we even tell people that and we delusion them because the truth of the matter is that would seem to make a lot of sense. 
that, you know, when we are saved and we are born again and we're living right, it would seem that God would get more glory if everything was all right and all of our problems are fixed and nothing ever went wrong if we were strong and we were confident and we had it all together as Christians. Oh, what we could show the world. Think about that as Christians. We don't have any problems at all. Everything is great. We don't pray. I mean, we don't have any trials. We don't have any difficulties. Our logic says our effectiveness would increase if we didn't have to worry, if we didn't have to fear, if we didn't cry at night, if we didn't struggle, if we never hurt, and if we were never broken. That's what our logic says. We would be better without hurting. But Paul's conclusion to his own challenge in his, in his life was, I have learned to live with this. He said, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am broken, then I am strong. Amen? You see, I think our North American concept of Christianity has polluted us a little bit. And we, we question and we doubt and we curse God when things aren't going our way. Meanwhile, around the world, Christians are being killed in our day because they won't waver from their faith. And they won't waver in their commitment to God. But when things go wrong, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? And I'll tell you something, if you are going to survive the questions that this world challenges you with, and, I, and, and you are going to have to come to terms with the reality that there is some stuff in this life that doesn't seem to make sense. Stuff happens that you just can't explain. Stuff that doesn't really make sense to you. You can't really dissect it logically, and it's not fair. But let me tell you something. You're not 11 years old anymore. Kids' life has been dismissed, and you needed to realize that this life is not always fair. Life is not always fair. Things aren't fair. Everything isn't fair. My dad used to tell us kids, the only thing in life that is fair is a state fair and the county fair. Those are some wise words. Certainly, there is stuff in our lives, and if we could change it without hesitation, we would. We would change these wounds in our, in our life that challenge us spiritually from disappointments and from abuse. I know that there's some of us here, who, and you've been abused, and, and if you could turn the clock back and you can make that not happen somehow, or take away your sickness or, or some sort of illness or a dysfunctional family, you know what? It's bad enough that what you had to go through. But here's the most difficult part. It's knowing that God could have somehow stopped it. That this omnipotent God could have somehow made a way that I wouldn't have to go through that. You see, it's not just experiences that are tough. It's that this God could have stepped in. And knowing that this God has helped others, but he didn't do it for me. You see, much of our struggle is not due to a lack of faith. That, that's not what keeps us from praying. But it's this brokenness. Because we feel like he hasn't done for us what he's done for others. And I'm not up here saying that it's easy because it's not. But you cannot just give up. You have to endure. You have to keep moving towards God. Even though we are broken, like Paul, you're going to have to learn to live for God and to serve God, even with some pain and some hurt. Even if it means living for him with some brokenness. Amen. You see, 
We don't understand why we have to go through some of these tests and these trials. We don't see why we have to go through some of the pain, but God has a reason. I was talking to Jesse the other day, and he said, man, I don't know why it took for me to be in the darkest part of my life for me to turn to God. But he said that he wouldn't be here today if it weren't for that breaking in his life. He said he probably would never even have found God if, if God didn't first break him. He said that even now with some of the tests and the trials that he's faced since serving God, he didn't understand them at first until after the trials he has been through. And he, and he looks back at them now and, and how God had his life in his hands the whole time and it was all for a reason. It was all for a purpose. You see, somehow we are more valuable to the kingdom of God with some brokenness. And I know this doesn't make sense, but somehow I am more valuable to God with everything not being okay. Somehow I am more valuable to him not saying that I don't have any problems. Somehow I'm more valuable to the kingdom of God when I am not walking upright and proud. But somehow I am more valuable to the kingdom with a little bit of hurt, with a little bit of pain and with some brokenness in my life. And like Jesse when we look back at our pain and our struggles, we see that we would never be here without some brokenness in our life. Somehow we serve him better when we are broken. Paul said that his strength is made perfect in weakness. But knowing God could have stepped in. Knowing God has helped others, but not me. You see, so much of our struggle and our lack of faith is, the, is this idea why hasn't it happened for me? And I want to talk to some of you who have been here wondering why. You've even asked God in this service today, why God? Life isn't fair. Why God? You came here in wounded. Some of you came in here carrying scars from people who wounded you in a relationship that didn't end the way that you thought they would end. And people that you cared about that hurt you. Or maybe you had dreams and those dreams have not happened and yet you're sitting here and you watch the dream die. And frankly, it hurts. You're hurting and there's, there's some pain but what are you going to do? Like Paul, you're going to just have to keep walking. Keep walking. Keep serving and keep progressing, even if it means walking with some brokenness. And as you guys know, I, I work in the medical field, and I find it very interesting. I see many post-op patients, and the number one thing that they make sure our post-op patients do is walk. They are in, t in intense pain a lot of times. And those of you who have had surgeries know exactly what I'm talking about. But you see, even though it's very painful, the doctor will tell you in order to heal. In order to heal, the only way they will get better is to keep walking. I've come to tell someone here in this place that even though you're hurting and, and are in some pain, that the, and this world will tell you just to sit down and to stop living to God, for God, to curse God and to doubt God. They say, where is your God? And this world is saying, why don't you just take a seat and relax? I've come to tell you that even though it hurts, the only way that you're going to get better is if you keep walking. 
Yeah, it hurts a little bit, but you keep walking because here's what you need to realize. Adversity in our lives isn't a sign of God's disapproval, but sometimes it is it is the approval of God and his desire to make you into what he has given you as a dream. And his desire is, to, is, is it fulfilled in you. Sometimes adversity is what makes us and what's honing us and churning us into what he needs us to be. You see, I look back at a story in the Bible about Job and I really don't, me and my wife don't really like this story because we're like, how unfair that this guy had to go through all this stuff. He was this faithful man of God. But he wasn't there to hear the Lord say to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? He's not there. He just goes through losing his family. And he goes through the illness. And he goes through the financial difficulties. He loses everything. You talk about being broken. Job was so broken. But Job, he wasn't there to hear. He he didn't hear the Lord say, have you considered my servant Job? He doesn't hear that. We know that because we read the story. But Job doesn't know that. And in fact, Job says, I looked to this side and I couldn't find him. And I looked over here and I couldn't find him. And I couldn't find him. I looked behind me and I couldn't find him. And I looked ahead and I couldn't find him. But Job took some confidence and and he got some sort of strength in, in this. He says in Job 23 verse 10, But he knows the way that I take. Job even knew that he couldn't find, Job knew that he couldn't find him right then and right, right then, but God was still with him. And he knew that he had a plan for his life, and he knew that Job was in his hands. You see, what you've gone through, it probably isn't the disapproval of God. There are some things that happen when we disobey God, but don't get confused because things aren't going the way that you thought they should. Don't be confused because there is some adversity in your life. You keep walking. Keep serving. Someone who's been hurt, keep walking. Someone who's been disappointed, keep walking. Someone who is going through the struggle you never thought life would be like this, keep walking and keep serving God. You never thought life would be this difficult, but keep walking because as you're walking, he's making you into what he wants you to be. Amen. Amen, Jesus. Didn't Jacob come to this, to this moment when he realized that he didn't want to be what he was, the liar and the cheater? He no longer wanted to be that person, and Esau is ahead of him, and he thinks there's nothing but trouble ahead, and there he wrestles with that manifestation of God, and Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And God says, okay, if you're going to be what I want you to be, then here is what I have to do. And he pulls and he breaks Jacob's hip. And from that moment on, he said, you're not going to be Jacob anymore. There's a change that's happened. To be what I want you to be, I have to change your name. But I also have to break you. And Jacob never walked the same from that day forward. He continued for the rest of his life to walk with that brokenness. But his name was changed from Jacob, which meant a liar and a cheater and and deceiver. And God changed it to Israel, which means a prince of God. You see, God wanted to bless Jacob, not hurt him. God crippled him that he might crown him. God broke him that he might bless him. 
You know why so many of us are not yet truly blessed? We have not yet truly been broken. We throw broken things away, but God never uses anything until he first breaks it. I talked about this earlier, but you'll, you'll never show me anybody who, is, who has been or will be mightily used by, by God who has not been broken. There is no blessedness without brokenness. God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings. And so the rest of Jacob's life, he had to use a crutch. This wasn't just something that could be fixed and to be put back. You see, when God breaks you, you will never be the same. When God breaks you, you will never be the same. Jacob had finally learned to lean on God, and he realized that he was stronger leaning than he was standing on his own two feet. He worshiped leaning, and that's the only way that you're ever going to worship him. You see, we curse our pain, and we don't like pain, and there's nobody saying, there's nobody here saying, Lord, give me more pain, but maybe this morning we can take a second look at it and stop blaming God and cursing God and blaming him and questioning him and maybe realize that somehow he's made me better with this weakness in my life. You see, Paul's secret to living with this brokenness was this. He petitioned the Lord and he said a number of times that we went to the Lord, Lord, why? And the word came back from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And there's somebody right now, you don't want to be broken. You don't want to be and you never want to pray this. And that's okay. You don't have to pray this in order to go to heaven. But there's some of you though, you could probably preach this sermon better than me because you're in the middle of it. And there's some of you, and either right now or at some point, you're going to get to that place where you are breaking and everything is crumbling around you and you may be tempted to fight to keep it together. But what I would tell you is just to go ahead and fall on the rock and break. Jesus, break me. Just break like I'm broke. I need God and I need his people and I need more of those people. I need you and I want to be there for you and I need your Holy Spirit. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just need you, God. And when you get to this moment, and you will because life guarantees it, you will break. And you can either run to God or unfortunately some people run away from God. And my greatest advice for you is just to break wide open and fully depend on God and let him break and let him break you and bring healing to your brokenness. Understand this, this is not advanced Christianity. Honestly, it's Christianity 101. This isn't just for pastors or evangelists. It's it's just not. This is like I'm coming to Jesus Break my body, break my sin, break me of me so that I can serve you. Jesus, with all of my life, I surrender it completely to you. You see, without brokenness, where is the need for a savior? And the gospel is an invitation to come and to die. Die to yourself so that Jesus can live through you. You see, when the sinful woman broke open the jar, she poured it all symbolizing that I'm giving you my whole life. 
broken and poured. And when Jesus' body was broken, it was broken for you and it was broken for me. His blood was poured out that our sins might be forgiven. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And I can't prove it, but I believe it, that this doesn't just refer to the ritual, but that this refers to our lives being broken and poured out so that we can serve Jesus with all of our hearts. You see, we need to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I believe that it represents the heart of God. But the reality is some of us are what I would call not fully devoted followers of Jesus, but partially devoted followers of Jesus. We do it when it's convenient for us. And if you find yourself at any point being partially devoted to Jesus, let me encourage you to consider praying a very dangerous prayer. God, break me so that I can be fully dependent on you. Whatever it takes, God, I want to know you intimately and to serve you faithfully because I trust you, God. Do whatever it takes. Break me that I can know you. You see, without God, you're broken already. You are broken already, and I I am broken without God. We are broken people. Look at your life. You make sinful decisions. Why? Because we're broken. Look for a moment at your relationships and your thoughts and your decisions and your ability to meet all of your own needs and realize that you're already broken. And we can't heal ourselves. We, we can never get better on our own. And that's why Jesus is the great physician. He is the God of the universe. He was born without sin, and he was perfect in every way. He went to the cross, and his body was broken. He shed his blood, and he died, and he rose again. Why? So whosoever, and that includes you, who calls on his name would be saved and forgiven and transformed. Honestly, that is why many of you are here. You are broken And you need his healing and you need his forgiveness. And when we pray this break me prayer in a moment, what we're really praying is for God to break us of our pride and to help us to realize how broken we already are. Jesus, Lord, I ask that in the next few moments, Jesus, that you would do a significant work in our hearts, Lord God. I thank you, God, that there are, there are some here, Lord God, that are going to pray this broken prayer. And Lord, I ask that you would do a, a deep work in their hearts. Jesus, Lord, we trust you, God. Hallelujah. You guys can stand. I want you to think about something in your life. Last week, if you were here, you're pray, you were praying, search my heart, O God. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. Whatever God showed you, that's offensive to him, that's displeasing, that shouldn't be there, start with that and just make that your broken prayer. Break me of that, God. Whatever it is, break me of my pride, break me of my anger, break me of my self-sufficiency, break me of my lust, break me of my impatience. Whatever it is, let's just start there. And when God breaks you of that, what you're going to see on the other side of brokenness are the blessings of God. 
Life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. So have the courage to start wherever you want to start and say, God, break me of this because I trust that you are a good God. And, and if I need breaking, then, then there's a blessing that I have not yet experienced. So God, I trust you with this. At whatever level you want to start, start. If you want to go all in and have no qualifications, break me wide open, God. I trust whatever it is. God, I know this is a difficult prayer, but I pray that we see answers to these prayers, God. I pray that we see specific answers in these small, specific things we ask, God. Break us of this Whatever it is, God, I hope that we'll recognize that without you, we are already broken people. And whenever life starts coming apart and we, we experience difficulties in our life, God, I pray that we would all have the faith and the courage just to break wide open and to say, God, I totally and I completely need you. And I need your people. We need each other, so God, Break us together. Break us to the point where we know that we have nothing else to hold on to, God. We have nothing to hold on to but you. And then, Lord, we'll recognize that all along you were there. And that all we really needed in this life in the first place was you, God. God, I pray that you do a work that only you can do. For those of you who have the courage to pray this dangerous prayer, I pray that on the other side of the breakings, they will see indescribable blessings, God. Because that's the kind of God that you are. We trust you, God. Lord, we trust you. With everything that we are, God, we, we give ourselves to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. This altar is open. Why don't you come and pray, God. Break me, Jesus. I need you, Lord God, in everything, Lord God. Lord God, and as we look for, for ways that God is breaking down our pride and our self-rule today, let's remember that he was broken for us. He was first broken for us, and the reason that he is such a trustworthy God is because he is our Savior. And we can trust in him to break us because he made us and he knows how to remake us. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I ask that you show me, Lord, how I'm trying to rule my own life, God. Show me, God, how broken I am. I want to see how deeply I need you as both my Savior and, and my Lord, Jesus. Give me strength to turn my life completely over to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God.